Welcome to the Foreign Lady Podcast. Here's your host, Elizabeth. guys, welcome back to another episode of the Foreign Lady Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. And the bottom line. And we are back with another episode today. So on today's show, we are going to talk about a segment that we saw on the Red Table Talk that uh, talked about how black women felt or feel invisible to the world and how we're not seen. We're going to discuss that and how black women are viewed in, in society. On the Red Table Talk, the Data Pinkett Smith, her mom and her daughter, they had Tamika Mallory on and they also had, I, I can't remember her name, but she was the doctor that was on a flight. I think she was on an American airline flight. And the flight attendant would not let her give medical attention to someone in distress on the plane because they didn't believe that she was a doctor. Um, So they talked to her and then they talked about they talked to some other um, black women who just felt that they were, you know, invisible. They talked to this other uh, uh, woman who is a associate professor at North Carolina University. And she talked about, you know, how she was not seen, you know, she was pregnant and she complained to the doctor. She went to the doctor and they just kind of dismissed all of her symptoms and she ended up losing her baby. So why do we feel like this? And is this valid? Like, is our concerns as black women in society valid? We're going to discuss that. Do we agree with them? Do we disagree with them? Uh, we'll, We'll discuss all of that. And then... We are going to discuss women that are that feel comfortable enough proposing to men in their relationships. I think that we've seen this sort of come up over the course of a couple of years now, maybe in the last five, six, maybe even 10 years where we see women taking charge and proposing to men. What do you think about this? Is this the new normal? Is it okay? Does this empower women? Does it set us back? We're going to discuss how we feel about the whole thing. It might get a little heated, so so bear with us today. But uh, yeah, let's get started. So on the episode of the Red Table Talk, the ladies of the Red Table were discussing how they felt invisible in society um, and how black women felt invisible in society. Then they had uh, Tamika Mallory on. She was one of the co-founders of the Women's March. I believe she's no longer with the organization right now. You know, she's an activist. And she talked about how even though she, through her activism, she you know, she's out there to the world, in her own personal life, she doesn't feel seen. She doesn't feel heard. And they also brought on more stories of other women who you know, don't feel seen or heard in society. They brought one woman who lost her child because of what I feel was pure negligence from the doctor. And quite frankly, I think a lot of it had to has to do with race. They didn't believe her. They didn't believe her in her pain. They didn't believe that there was something going on with her baby. And she ended up losing her baby. This is something that we've been talking about for so long where we feel like black women are just clamoring to be seen and clamoring to be heard. Do you think this, and I know you have a different opinion on this. Do you think this is like valid for us to feel this way? Or do you think we're attention seeking and we're just being drama queens and we're just making all of it, you know, being hypersensitive about all of it. What do you think about this? And then I'll give my opinion on it. Honestly, I I think it's a bit of being hypersensitive. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm going to defer to you 
because you are a black woman, you know, we definitely need your input into this. But I think it's also important to hear the perspectives of other people willing to disagree with you and tell you, no, that's not always the case. Absolutely. Because I see it as a somewhat false victimhood narrative that they were giving on the red table talk that somehow one or two incidences somehow applies to all black women in general when that's not the case. But is it one or two incidences though? I mean, is it? No, it, it I, never I, is. I forget, isn't, I mean, wasn't it James Baldwin or it could have been Malcolm X? I forget who said it, that the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. Malcolm X said a lot of things. Um, I'm pretty sure that if you read more of what he said, he also talked about how women, black women should be more conservative in how they dress. Mm-hmm. But black women never seem to quote that part. He also talked about how it's black women who are the most invested in, in the church. And, you know, we have issues within the black church, but black women never seem to quote that part of what he said. They only take that one statement that um, he used as their shield that, yeah, we're so disrespected, but there's more to it. And I think as a man, he said that to really ignite black men that our women are in danger we need to defend them but there's always more to it because not every black woman is worth defending Mm -hmm. and you could ask black men this you know the question never comes up can we defend good black women right so my take on this is i understand a lot of what they were talking about on the red table talk because there are times in my life that i have felt like I have not been heard and I have not been seen, whether it's at work or whether it's in my personal life or whether it's by society, right? I think I related more to the to the woman who, you know, who had the medical incident happen to her only because I've, I've had to deal with that as well, right? I've had, I've had to deal with situations where a doctor telling me that my pain is not what what it is or my pain is not what I'm telling them that it is, right? And when you're constantly having to fight, especially a medical professional who's supposed to know, who's not supposed to be, you know, biased, who's, whose main goal it's, is to treat you regardless of who you are, what you look like, and they're bringing their biases into it, that's a problem for me. And... It is hard to not feel like, wait a minute, if I was a white woman, would you be talking to me like this? I mean, I'll be honest, right? When I was growing up, race didn't didn't play a factor in my thinking process because I grew up in in a foreign household. We never really talked about race as cliche as it seems. You know, you still had those traditional, you know, women had to do this. Women had to do that. Women had to be proper. Women had, you know, you had certain restrictions and rules for women, but there was never any sort of factoring race into it. And it wasn't until I sort of got older and, you know, went to college, was on my own, saw my surroundings that I realized, wait a minute, there is something to this part of not being treated equally because of not only because of my gender, but also because of my race. And a lot of that manifested in um, healthcare settings and at work where I've always have to be conscious about, okay, I don't want to be the angry black girl or black woman always. If I have an issue, I have to keep my tone down 
or if I have a problem with a, you know, a white male coworker or, or an, another, or a white, you know, female coworker or whatever it is, right? I have to be careful about the way I come across. And a lot of people don't have to go through that. And this is where I say that there's, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. Like studies have found that people have a bias, even within the medical field where they think black people have a higher threshold of pain compared to other groups of people. So there is truth in what you're saying, but also some of these stereotypes we tend to embrace as well as a strength. You know, you often hear about the black woman not taking no mess from nobody right? and embracing it as a strength. And you have to understand that eventually that's going to work against you because even today I had to call about my internet and the first person I talked to, it sounded like a white woman. Mm -hmm. She was so pleasant the entire time. So pleasant. I even thanked her. Right. The next person had an Indian accent. He was very welcoming, easy to talk to. He asked me if I, he asked me if he had, you know, helped me. And I said, I do feel help. Thank you. They transferred me again. And it sounded like it was a sister. It sounded like it was a black woman. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like she wanted to help me. Right. And that's not always the case. Of course, I've been on call with customer service people who were black women and they were very helpful. Absolutely. But this was just one of those cases where it's like, you know, she kind of fell into the stereotype. She's not really trying to hear about what I'm going through. Not really trying to resolve the situation. Just trying to say she, she did what she was supposed to do according to company policy and was trying to get me off as quick as possible. So what I would say is that, you know, we got to be mindful of some of these stereotypes that we do tend to embrace because they do work against us. You're absolutely right about that. You know, like we have to stop feeding into this uh, stereotype. You know, like I said before, a lot of these things I'm just learning about and it, you know, is something that is a process for me because I, I go back to, to it again, being raised in a foreign household. We don't, you know, the certain things that I've had to deal with, we don't, we don't really talk about it. We don't deal with it. And it's like, and then the other side of it also, and I think we've talked about this before, and you can also attest to this is the, is the fact that, you know, even, even sometimes foreigners try to disassociate themselves from black Americans. Do Definitely. You, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I will admit that I sometimes fall into that category where, where someone will be like, oh, you know, are you? I'm like, no, I'm, you know, Nigerian American or I'm, you know, from, you know, I'm Nigerian or whatever like that. Right. Like I, I sort of make it an emphasis that I'm not like I'm not I'm not like American black, if that makes sense. And I, I think a lot of it coming from me is because I, I love the fact that I'm Nigerian. I love the fact that that's where my people are from and I know I have a sort of concrete tradition and I know where I'm from right and it's a sense of pride for me just like it's a sense of pride for you right I guess the kind of way to differentiate myself and be like yeah I'm not really like a black American I know that sounds so bi like uh, like I'm aware of how biased this sounds right now but it's true like we you know even that but as I've gone to learn it's like sometimes society doesn't doesn't care because I don't have an accent. I mean, sometimes it'll slip out when I'm talking too fast or I'm talking to certain people, it'll come out. But for the most part, you know, if I go to a, a, a doctor's office or if I go to work or whatever, unless they, they ask, they don't know that I'm not a typical 
black woman or a typical uh, American woman. They don't know that. It, it just feels like sometimes I, I shouldn't have to keep differentiating myself. I shouldn't have to keep trying to separate myself and be a other just to feel seen and just to feel heard. Does that make sense? It makes 100% sense because I actually had a similar conversation with coworkers and, you know, we were talking amongst ourselves as black people from different corners of the world. And it came up about, you know, what group of black people would you marry? And some people were, were shocked about what we, what we said about with group, you know, we wouldn't want to marry with, we wouldn't want to be really be associated with on a personal or intimate level right. because we're in this world too. We're in your neighborhood. We're around you. And we see how you can behave sometimes. So we're like, you know, we don't really want to interact with with you you either. Right. In that way. When we start to see a change in your behavior, sure, we'll welcome you. But sometimes we see your craziness. We see your foolishness. Right. And then we're taught. We need to to take a step back. But we're taught, don't hang out with them. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, no, it's true. That's how. How is that true? Literally, all my black friends are all foreigners. They're either Haitian or Jamaican or African or so they're either something other than like, I, of course I have, you know, uh, I interact with, you know, black people all the time that are, that are born in America. But for the most part, a lot of the core black people that I hang out with and that I know they're foreigners. So like, look at some of the accomplishments, right? The first black president is Kenyan. The first black vp is jamaican or of jamaican descent you know these are things that come up amongst us as black people from outside the u.s and it's astounding to black americans when they actually have to hear that you know like just so you know these wins are really for blacks outside the u.s you have to think about that what's going on and it also makes me wonder like do they somehow resent us in a way as well like, like, I don't think you resent us. Divide? You don't think so? I don't think so. Okay. What I tend to notice is that it's still a win. Mm. They may not necessarily like it, but it's still a win. And when you sit down and talk with them, I often say, listen, we just got to learn from each other because we're, we're still in the same boat, just so you know. Right, because like I said, another person is, got, is not going to care if you're not, you know, unless you, it's, it's obvious. Do you know what I mean? Like, unless you have an accent or the way you dress or something that they can physically see and say, oh, you're not from around here. And even that sometimes too, you know, like even being a foreigner can be stressful sometimes. I remember, I remember growing up, right? Before it became cool to trace your heritage and figure out where you're, you know, what country in Africa you're from before it became cool to be African, right? (laughs) I remember I was teased for being Nigerian, all throughout elementary school, all throughout middle school, and all, and even some high school, I was te- I was teased a lot. And my mom, you you met my mom, right? Definitely. She had this very thick accent, right? And I remember, and even now, it's so crazy. I talked about, you know, I talked to her about this before, where I was like, I didn't want her coming anywhere near my school. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want her coming to any PTA meetings or any any teacher conference. Like, I didn't want her anywhere near their school because I didn't want them to hear her speak. But yeah, I remember for the longest time I would be ashamed of being African, right? But then I think as I as I got older and I got into college and I met more people because I, I, I 
I didn't go to a, a school that had a lot of foreigners in there. So as I got to college and I met more people, I met you and I met, you know, other friends that are from other other cultures and other societies. And I'm like, and I saw how, you know, you guys embraced your your culture. And I was like, what am I doing? Proud to be who I am. I'm proud to be where I'm from. I'm proud to, you know, have my culture and my traditions and my food and all of this. But I think I think in the back, you know, in, in sort of the back of your mind, we're sort of conditioned to try and this whole adapting thing. And it's like sometimes we just don't want to adapt. And I think that's why, you know, the whole inv- black women feeling invisible is like, well, just adapt. Just sit down and shut up. You're you're here. You have a seat at the table. You know, those kind of things. And it's like sometimes you just don't want to sit down and shut up. Sometimes you just want to, you know, sometimes you want more and society is not going to give you more. Because they're going to say, well, you're, you're where you're at right now. Isn't that good enough for you? But honestly, that, you know, the whole, and I'll say African-American versus black American. Right. That's, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Because it's, it's a really good topic. And, you know, it comes up often. It's a conversation I have with, you know, different groups of black people. And it always gets interesting. And it's never, it never comes off as animosity in the end. Right, because we because we we realize that at the end of the day, especially have, if you have the maturity, you realize we need to learn from each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it's not like foreign blacks don't have their own struggles, racism, or, or racism, or, right. or some or some sort of struggle. And so, like, we could remedy each other if we were to sit down and talk. Because in actuality, Black Americans are trying to embrace the cultural identities of their homelands, the motherland. They're trying to learn more. So that's why I like those differences. We're going to start embracing them and using them as a point of unification. But right now we're talking about the black woman and I want to make sure that we stay on, on her and her issues. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I know we, we, it, it sort of melted in there, but I completely agree with you. I have to say, I agree with the ladies of the red table talk. There are some times where I feel invisible. There are some times where I feel like if I was a man, I would get things done. I'll give you a perfect example. If I go to the tire shop, say I need a, a new tire for my car or whatever, right? Sometimes because they feel like I'm a woman, they try to take advantage of me. And I feel like if, you know, if I was a man or I had a man with me, they wouldn't do that in certain situations. That's, I mean, that's just one example. But I, I just feel like sometimes we're sort of at the bottom of the totem pole. I get your point about not every black woman should be needs to be defended or whatever. I get it, right? Just like not every every woman in another culture or another race needs to you have promiscuous, you got bad you got bad apples on in every corner of the world, right? But does that sort of diminish from the whole point of we need to be protected more? Listen no, to more. No, not at all. It's just that the conversation never becomes what is a good black woman or can we only protect good black women? Because if we were to start to say that, then that means black women would have to measure up. Okay, so what? Okay, this is this is what I want to ask you as a black man, right? What does the black woman need to do to get a little support? Here's the other question (laughs) that I ask. Do you think of yourself as a good woman? Just a good person? Absolutely then after that, you'll be protected. But anybody could think they're a good person. I think we all have a barometer for for good, like legitimately good. So Um, you're saying that only 
only good people need to be protected. I think when you're in a situation where you're doing something dishonorable, why would you expect somebody to protect you? Okay, well then, what's you know, this? Like, like, like what's dishonorable to me doesn't have to be dishonorable to you. I'll give you an example. Okay, please. When do. I was younger, I was at you know just a college party, and there was a woman. She was she was one of my friends. And she happened to be probably one of the, the prettiest girls in our year. She was dating an older guy, brought him to the party. She started drinking. And she started arguing with the guy that she brought. And he happened to have his friends with him. And what she tried to do, or what she was actually doing, she was dropping it like it's hot on every guy, every guy in the club, just to piss off her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Right? And me and the other guys, who could read the room, we're like, she's going to get smacked at the end of that night. But why do you have to automatically go to smack, though? You see what I mean? Like, why she got to get smacked? But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, this is one of those moments where she could have chosen to to handle things differently, right? But what's going to happen is that her boyfriend's going to get so pissed off that other men are going to have to step in. And who knows what can happen? And that actually did. Because when the night was over... He was walking with her to the car and he smacked her. She fell to the ground. And that had more to do with the fact that she had been drinking. I'm the only guy who sees this. And I felt obligated to put on my Superman cape (laughs) and go save her. Right? Mm -hmm. And the whole time as I'm running over there, I already know this is going to go left. Mm -hmm. Because I run up, it's four against one. And they like, what are you doing here? They're cursing at me. And I'm like, man, I'm just checking on my friend. You smacked her to the ground. I want to make sure she's okay. Mm-hmm. These guys have their fists balled up. And they were probably going to jump me. I don't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, a couple guys showed up. One of them I knew, he happened to be a friend. He came up, had my back. And he happened to be, be a part of, of a fraternity and his fraternity brothers came up behind him too. So now it was like, you know, seven against four. Right. But then one of the fraternity brothers was really drunk and he started popping off at the mouth and the thugs, they beat him to the ground. They kicked him into the ground. Mind you, the entire time the guy and his girlfriend got into the car, drove away and no one else jumped into the fight. But it could have gone there. And I'm getting calls from people like, how come you didn't step in? How come you didn't do anything? I'm like, yo, I was there first. I was the first one there. But the moment the guy put her in the car and left, there was no reason to fight. But that actually showed me a very important lesson. I don't, I'm, it's not my job to defend every woman. Okay. It showed me a really important lesson. And you know what happened to that girl? Guess what happened to her? What happened to her? She moved to Texas with that man and started and started a family. And from what I understand, they've been married ever since. Okay. So with your story, there's a lot of problematic things that, that we have that I just have to pick out. Right. Number one. So because the woman was dancing with whoever she was dancing with. Right. And her boyfriend also happened to be there. Right. And mind you, you said she had been drinking. Correct. Right. Now. Does that automatically earn her the right to be hit by by her boyfriend? Not at all. But what I'm saying is that. So then, why does she made choices? I don't care what kind that of led up to and, it, and that's why we see not only that, and this is why this is where we're talking about. 
this isn't just about women, right? Men also have to take accountability because whatever she wants to do with her body, it's her body. If she wants to shake it, move it, drop it like it's hot, it does not matter. That is her body at the end of the day. That is number one. Number two, if he feels disrespected by her, which I'm not saying what she did was right, but for him to automatically go to hitting her, that's an issue for me. And that should be an issue for everybody as well, because violence is not the answer. You don't just resort to violence. So because she does something stupid while she's drunk, she automatically deserves to get hit. That doesn't make sense to me. No one says she deserves to get hit. But, but he, here's a rule that I live by. Okay. You play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. <laughs> and here's the thing. Is it our job as men to jump in and protect every woman who makes a bad decision? So you make poor choices. No, and that's I not have what to pay I'm, the consequences. That's not what I'm saying. Even before you, you had to jump in, right? Because her boyfriend was hitting her. My question to you is why is men, why are men automatically trained? Well, not all men. Let me not say because not all, not every man will lay their hand on a, on a woman, no matter how crazy or stupid she acts. I do know some men that will, that will not lay their hands on a woman. You happen to be one of them, but my question is, why is it that that is the default of some men? Oh, she does something crazy. She needs to get smacked. So she understands no that. No one say she that is what you just get... said. You just said no, you have said... to jump in because he hit her. No, I never said she deserved to get smacked. I said she's going to get smacked. Because I could, I could read the room. And I that's, could, my, that's what I'm saying. All of us can read the room. But that's what I'm saying. All of us can read the room. Your actions can lead to this. It doesn't matter if you don't like the consequences. We're saying it could lead to that consequence. But why is her boyfriend it's like, going it's to like saying, smack her? It's like saying if you if you drink and you drive, you could get into an accident and hurt somebody. You don't have to like the consequences. No one deserves it, but we understand that's what it could lead up to. No, I don't know. And understand we're saying that. as the as the person who was drinking you made a choice. Yeah. She made a choice it, to dance on the other guys right. instead of saying, you know what? Let me not piss off my man tonight. I don't want to do that. I don't want to cause any trouble. I won't do that. And why can't the men be like, you know what? I don't have time for you. Whatever you got going on right now, you're acting real stupid. You're acting real dumb. I'm going home. Take he could have done that. He, that's what I'm saying. Why didn't he do that? He, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving an out to anyone. I'm saying they both made bad choices. <laughs> i hate it when women you don't... when women it's like yo if we want to whatever the hell we want to do with ourselves let us do it with ourselves but the consequences shouldn't always be violent from men no no one's saying that but what we're saying is that the consequences exist just because you don't like them just because you don't want them to happen it doesn't mean it won't i don't want to get robbed but that doesn't mean I leave my door unlocked. And if I get robbed, I'm like, well, they shouldn't rob me. They should know better. No, I shouldn't know to lock my door. That's not what that, that's, that's the world I live in. I think that, bad those things are happen. totally different. Those are totally different things, right? Because my, to me, and I've never understood this for the life of me. If we are a couple and we are in a relationship, there is absolutely no reason why if I do something stupid or I, I, maybe flirt with another guy in front of you because I just happen to be drinking and being stupid that night. There's no reason why I should be worried. Oh crap. When we get home, he's going to beat the crap out of me. 
See, but what you're not understanding that it should not that be that a, con- a consequence. Should you know, be, yo, he might leave me. He might, he might end this relationship, but, or yo, he might not come home tonight. Right, I'm aware there. Aware I'm aware that there are consequences, but why does it have to be that specific consequence? That is no one saying it has to be that. But it, I'm and, just saying you have to be aware that there are consequences in life, and you're not immune to it, whether you're a man or a woman. <laughs> we're just gonna move on because I don't think we're I, I don't think we're gonna agree on this one. We, we should just agree to disagree. I think I guess what I'm trying to say is that no matter what, I know it happens. It sucks that it happens. I just can't deal with the whole DV of it all. I, I can't. And that shouldn't be a consequence. A consequence would be, yo, my man is going to leave me if I do something stupid. Or, yo, he, he, you know, he might retaliate and go sleep with somebody. Like, but a consequence is not, yo, when I get home, he might give me a black eye. I shouldn't have to think no in the back of my head. Because you just said the reason you jumped in is because he pushed her. Correct? Yeah. Okay. I didn't think she. I didn't think she deserved it. I'm saying that that's what happened. I never said she deserved it. My question to you was: No, that was the word you used. You said she deserved. It. I said that's not what I said. I'm saying we read the room and we were like, "Yo, he's gonna smack her." You by said the, the, by the way they're interacting. Okay. All right. I think we've killed this topic to death. Let's move on, unless you want to add something to it. Well, I just want to, you know, finish up on the red table talk. If black women. Are truly invisible, and I would just like to say a few things on my end, and then we can move on. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm listening. I think a lot of it is in our heads. In our own heads, we're all feeling invisible or neglected. You, I'm sure, if you put yourself in somebody else's shoes, they feel neglected in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I find it contradictory that in one breath. You know, on the red table talk, they could say black women are invisible, but the next day they'll call themselves magical. They'll call themselves queens. They'll say they have the ability to make somebody president like Joe Biden. They'll just ignore all these other feats of strength that they've been able to pull off and still say, I'm invisible. But can it be both? And But that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I think you... We have to understand that we all have those moments where we feel like no one sees us, but it's not that they don't see us. They have their own problems. They have their own things to deal with. And I feel like with a lot of black women, they have this image in their head and they're hoping everyone else sees them the same way. Like I'm magical. So you have to see me as magical too. No, I don't think that's true. I think we just want to be treated like every other, every other woman in this country be honest i don't think y'all really want that either but i will say this last thing it seems when i was hearing the red table talk it seemed like what they really wanted to be treated as white women because that's all they compared themselves to oh if i were a white woman and even the woman with her issue with having the child she said i wanted to go to a good hospital that's why i went to a white hospital with white doctors and you and were because that is the what? society we live in. But that's what I'm saying. You you put so much because uh, all of the status. good hospitals are in. No, it's not. It's not that because all of the good hospitals, all of the good schools, all of the good housing, everything that that society perceives as 
quote unquote the the you know good quality they're all in white neighborhoods they're all in white spaces do you think That's if there true. was actually a, a hospital that had good hosp- that had good care good doctors in a black community do you think she would go out of her way to go to a black uh, to a white community that's true. No. We are conditioned to think of white as good, but we're also conditioned to think of black as bad, even when our own people offer us something that is good enough. Even when our own people create something that is good enough, we still say, oh, let's go to, to the white version instead. We believe in it more. We, we think it has more quality. So, again, if you look at a lot of, it, a lot of their talk, they're not looking from validation from other groups of people like Latinos or Asians. Black women don't care about what they think. Be honest. They're not looking for them to, to validate you, but we've been conditioned to wait for white people to, to, to see us as good enough. And that's a huge problem. We're putting too much pressure on white people and we're doing a disservice to ourselves. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Speaking for me, I love being a black woman. I don't want to be white. it doesn't like i i love being me i don't ever compare myself to to anybody to a white woman to to a latino woman to this woman to that woman i don't do it only because i know who i am i love who i am and that's that i just wish that sometimes i would my my concerns are being taken seriously and I think the one thing I do wish was I wish I was a man. And I've always said this, like if I was to come back in another life, I definitely want to be a man. I think that would be it. Like I've never wished to be a white woman or this woman or that woman, but I do wish to be a man. Doesn't matter what kind of man. Let me ask you something. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you something for real, for real. I just want to have a penis for one day. <laughs> you want to be a man. So let me ask you something. <laughs> and, you, and you could be honest with me. Yeah. Could you finesse a man? Could I what? Could you finesse a man? Could I finesse a man? Yeah. As a woman right now? Right. Can you, like a man who is, let's say he, he's wealthy, how easy would it be for you to finesse him into, say, paying your rent, buying you a new phone, a new car? Real quick. Oh, but but you still would want to be a man. Yeah, I just want to be a man just to see how it is. I don't like I just feel like men Believe have me, always it's, had it's it not so all, easy. It's not always cracked up to be. Look, it's not always cracked up to be. I, I love was, being I a woman. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I just want to know what it's like to be a man just for like, you know, a week or maybe a day. You know, like I want to know what it's like to pee standing up and and walk into a room and say whatever I want and no one thinks I'm a bitch and you know, like <laughs> that, that never I've never seen a man walk into a room and say whatever he wants. What? Are you kidding? Never see that. Get out of here. Men can do whatever do they this? men can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want and they're seen as yo, that guy is, you know, he he's cocky. He got a little swag in him, blah 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 blah. But then the woman, oh she's a bitch. She's on her period. She's that she's that. And I'm like, yo, never, on. never, never seen it that way. Whatever. Of course, you, of, course room, of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't, because you're a man. How does this happen? I'd love to see these situations where men just walk in, see what's on their mind, and there's no consequences. No, men live in a world of consequences. All right, if you say, I don't, I mean, look, I don't know. That's why I want to know what it's like to be a man. I was out with my friend last week, and she was telling me how she finesses men. 
new car, rent paid, new phone, dropped them after a month. Like, I wish I had the ability to do that. Oh, I ain't got no money. Oh, I can't pay this rent. Let me call up one of my sugar mamas. Hey, look, I got my, my, my cell phone is paid for me. So <laughs> my life, a couple of my utilities are paid for me. So, you know, it's not bad being a woman. I'm not going to lie. So, well, you've had that done. Being a woman. Yeah, of course. I've, I've had stuff. You, you've had, what's the most expensive me? thing a man has gotten you? Huh? What's the most expensive thing a man has gotten you? Oh, uh, maybe jewelry. What's the, what was the price range on that one? I want to say maybe 600, 700 for a pair of earrings. Okay. So that's, but that's, but see, but that's some of the benefits that, 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 you know, women have right there. They can use any time men. Like for us to get what we want as men, we can't just, we got to work hard. No, we I gotta, take that we, back. I take that back. That that's not the most expensive thing a guy ever got me. I take that back. I bet it's not. Yeah, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it's not. I, they actually got me a, a sweet ring. That that's about ten grand. Ten grand. Yeah. And you want to be a man? <laughs> <laughs> I still have it too. See, like this is what I'm talking about. Like I don't think women understand how good they have it. I think like if you spent a week as a man, you'd hate it. I don't think you would like, be a woman again. I don't think I would hate it. But anyway, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to another controversial. Uh, well, I think it would be controversial for us because, of course, like always, for me. we disagree on everything. Pretty it's much everything. for me. <laughs> of course it is. Okay, so women are proposing to men. We've seen it all over social media. We've heard about it. We've Even Tiffany has an engagement ring for men now that they ca- that they have out, which... Look, I don't to each his own. I I'm still a little, little bit more traditional in that sense, where I'm not getting on one knee proposing to nobody. But wait, I thought Ooh. you wanted to be a man. Well, me. I thought that's what you wanted. As a man, sure. As a woman, nah, not happening. So, would you want a woman to propose to you? And do you see that as you know her being like thirsty desperate? or desperate? Thank you. Do you think she's desperate, or do you know like? What do you what do you think about about this whole thing about women proposing to men? You know, if you asked me like five, ten years ago, I would have been very strict. Like, no, never, mm-hmm. don't ever propose to me. You know, if you're a woman, that's the, that's what a man's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But I think I've softened up since then. And yeah, you know, like I wouldn't say yes if a woman proposed to me, but I would like to see. I would like to see her propose to me now. That's so wrong. So you wouldn't say yes, but you still want to see it? I would still, I mean, if I say yes, I lost all of my manhood. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, lost of, I lost all of my masculinity if the I say yes. The truth comes out. <laughs> I would like to see it, but I'm wow. not going to agree to it. So you're trying to say if a woman proposes, the man loses his masculinity? He loses. He sure does. Wow. <laughs> Terrible terrible i mean in today's day and age you know like uh masculinity is a bad thing i, I guess men, i thought men like that women to take charge right it's like the whole dating thing right don't men say oh sometimes we wish women can ask us out you know there's so much pressure asking a woman out sometimes it feels nice if she asks the man out like i've never heard that so are you serious? <laughs> i've never I've never heard that one. Are you for real? I've heard that so one where men. That one to yourself. No, it's true. Where men are like, sometimes they wish women would ask them out. 
because it you know relieves you know it, it takes some of the pressure off of them they can ask me out i'll just say no so if a woman asks you out you'll say no yeah i'll say no why what's wrong with the woman no, asking you out it depends, it depends it depends on how it happens it depends on how it happens like um so your 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 man ego is just so precious to you and will be so bruised if a woman you know gets down on one knee and prop- and proposes to you. Is that what you're no, telling me? No, that wouldn't bother that wouldn't bother my manhood if she proposed to me. That would uplift it. Oh, so it's only if she asks you if out say, that, that that's what's going to It's only if I say yes. <laughs> if, it's only if I say yes, I lose my manhood. So you just going to leave her leave her hanging? If she proposes, yeah, I'm like, gonna... yo, like, I'm like, yo, like, you know, I got, it's got to be done the other way around. That's crazy. If I was a guy, I would accept a proposal from a chick. But you just came in here <laughs> saying no to all of this. <laughs> I'm not a man. You are all against this. So wait a minute. You, but well, wait a minute. You would never propose to a man either. I, I no. I just, I, I just think there are certain things that a man should do, and proposing is one of them. I don't know. Call me old fashioned in that way, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't. I don't, I don't know why women have a problem with it though, because I think for them, I like don't you have said, a problem with it. Hey, look, kudos to those women out there that are taking charge. Your man is taking too long, and you feel like you've been waiting all, all you know a long time, and you need to you want a ring on that finger, and you need to put it there. For, hey, do you boo? Okay, but speaking from experience as a woman that's been engaged three times. I just can't f- see myself g- getting down on one knee proposing to a guy. I, I just can't do it. I don't know. Look I, how you threw out the number of proposals. <laughs> I've been proposed to three times. <laughs> well, would you rather propose to a man or be alone? Why? Why you had? Why we got to go? Why got to be one or the other? That's what a lot of women were commenting. They were saying, "I'd rather be alone." I'm like, "Wait a minute." You would rather be alone for the rest of your life no. than ask a man to marry you? Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. I, I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. That's that's I'm, that's, I'm, a, I'm that's still, a lot of pride. I'm, I'm still young, so if I was like 90, then I'd be like, okay, but you know, I'm still young. I still got a lot of years ahead, so. Yeah, that's a lot of time. That's like, a lot of no, time I, to be alone. I would be like, listen, you, you got to propose. Like, you can't, yeah. being alone is harsh. If, if I had to, if I had to pick one or the other, if it was being alone for the rest of my life or proposing to a man, look, I'm getting, I'm going to Tiffany's and getting that ring and proposing. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I just that really that important. I just think there's just cer- certain things that, you know, I don't know. It's just something whimsical about a man asking or whatever. I, I know we have same-sex couples now, but we're st- strictly speaking in, what's it called, heterosexual terms right now. So, right. yeah, I, you know, there's there's still something whimsical and magical about a man asking a woman to, to be his wife. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It just seems so weird to me. I mean, I know women want to, you know, we're all for equality and this and that, and I'm all for it, you know, equal pay. But there are just certain things I feel like you should leave to a man. Well, I'm going to be politically correct, (laughs) even though I would never want this myself. I'm going to be politically correct to say, bravo, this is a victory for the women's movement. Men should feel wanted. Let's get rid of this toxic masculinity the patriarchy yeah let's see more women proposing to men 
Okay, but then how would that look though? You know, like because because men could be sneaky, right? Because then be like, well, I didn't propose to you. You asked me to marry you. Like y'all, you sure can, right? You, like if he That's cheats, the risk you take. if he cheats, then he'll be like, well, you know, you proposed to me. I didn't say I wanted to marry you, and you're like, what the? Exactly. Nah. nah. Exactly. I don't need you throwing it back in my face talking about, well, you proposed to me first. Nah. Mm-mm. Y'all are petty like what do you that. Think men go, what do you think men go through when we propose? I mean, I know it's nerve-wracking. I I mean, I've been there three times. So I, I would say I know it's, it takes a lot of courage and, and nerve to muster up the courage. But And you said no all three times, huh? <laughs> you, said, you said no. All three times. <laughs> and he's still expecting another one? <laughs> well, hopefully the next one I will actually go through with. That That's the plan. Mm, I, I could, did these men propose to you in public on one knee? Yes. I could imagine the what? Did you I say mean, no in front of, in front no, of everyone? No, I said, I said yes, and then I broke it off later. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't say no. Nah, see, this is, this is what I'm talking about. See, like when women have, they fought for equality. I feel like this is the ultimate, you know, this is the last chapter, the last page as far as equality. And yeah, if women were much. to get to it, this is it. If women were to get to this point, you're, you're going to find a different society in how men treat women and women treat men. Look, I still, I but mean, old, call me old fashioned. I still want a man to be a man. I'm sorry. Like the, there are just certain things. Like I want you to, you know, fix, fix the light, fix the door, fix the, nah, whatever, I don't think that's like, what that's about. I don't think that's what this is about. You know, make See, decisions a- for our family. What, like, I still need a man to be a man. And, you know, of course I'll be there to support you. And, you know, I, I believe in, you know, 50, 50 relationship, but I still believe a man should be a man. And I think, just think that when when you when you start sort of blending the roles like that, I don't know. That's what the ideology of feminism will lead to, right? The blending of roles is is, is the outcome of of that ideology. Mm-hmm. And what women are saying is, for women that are saying, "Oh, I, I don't want to propose," you're saying, "Well, this is this one thing I won't do because it's never really felt like a privilege to me." Like, it was okay to fight for the privileges that men have, making money, having a job, companies, that kind of thing, but doing the things that involve a responsibility or right. something that makes us vulnerable or shows us as submissive. Because the idea was that men don't have to submit, they don't have to be responsible, but the act of proposing is that, is the embodiment of that. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do that part. Right. I don't want to seem vulnerable. I don't want to be submissive to him, but... That's what we as men have had to do towards you. We've had to start off our marriage towards you in a position of submission. And for a lot of women, that's a requirement. A lot of women, they won't accept the man unless he's on one knee. Hell yeah, you got to be on one knee. And then the idea of switching that around just bothers women. They're so uncomfortable with the idea. Wait a minute, you don't, you don't want that part of our manhood? You want everything else? Oh, that's not right. You're not going to just take the privileges and leave behind the responsibility. You know, it's like, it's like when we talked about, you know, when it comes to the LGBTQ community and how you have issues with trans women 
And we said that, you know, well, it's, it's one thing to um, change yourself into a woman, but there's other things that go along with it, such as the monthly cycle. Right. If you're going to take all the parts of the woman, take all of it. Right. But just not the parts that you like. And I feel the same thing in this situation. If women want all the parts that come with manhood, all of the equality, you got to take the good and the bad. I don't know if this idea of sort of like pick and choose, like, I mean, I, I, I'm all for women making their own money, doing their own business, you know, making as equal as men. Like I'm all for those things because we need to build ourselves up, but at the, but I don't want to take everything uh, like away from, you know, the role of, of the, the traditional husband or the man. I don't want to take that away because then it's, it just becomes complicated i still come from a very traditional background and that's one thing that you know i might i might be like yay this or yay that but that's that one issue i'm like nah i'll leave that to the guys <laughs> i mean deep down it's it, it's only as important as we want it to be honestly we, we we give that moment that proposal such a huge significant meaning to us Right. And, you know, I, you know and there are a lot of people that don't want to get married. So it could be, you know, yeah. it could be like a, a, a sort of, uh, what is it, like a union thing or like a civil thing where it's, you know, they just have the, the, sim, the symbolicism of it all, but not the actual yeah. like paperwork or the actual concept of marriage. I guess in that aspect, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just think when you start sort of, picking and choosing it just becomes blurry even if you want to have like obviously you are in that position because you want to spend the rest of your life with this person either you want to actually go through with it or have a civil union and just not sign the paperwork whatever you guys want to commit your lives to each other and i just think that specifically in a you know heterosexual relationship for me, I just would prefer the guy to do it. But not knocking all the women out there. Hey, kudos to you. More power to you. You know, if you if you're like I said, if your man is taking too long and you're gonna take matters into your own hands, you go for it. Not knocking you whatsoever. It's just not my Yeah, life too. life is too short. Life is too yeah. short for you to, for people to be just like alone because of some rule that is archaic. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> old school. Old school. Um it's not for me. Exactly. Which is fine. It's not for you, which is fine. But I accept the fact that cultures change over mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, certain things that we couldn't do 50 years ago, they're more acceptable today. And they might become the rule in another 50 years. Exactly. That's fine. That That's what happens. You know, like there's no need for people to get, I guess, upset over it. It's just, it's just funny to me. Yeah. So I just think that for a lot of women, they look at it as, if we allow this to happen, expectations in the relationship are going to change that we don't want. And yes. I, like I said, I think it's, I think they're, they're afraid of a shift where the men will be like, well, I mean, since we're changing this, why don't we change this as well? Why don't you take on some of these other roles of men that we yeah. had to do? Quick question for you. And then we got to we got to go because we're out of time. We might even come back and talk about this at some point. Would you or could you be a stay-at-home dad? I don't know if I've asked you this before. No, not ever. <laughs> not ever. Not ever. There are a lot of fellas doing it. I'm just saying. There are a lot of fellas um, that, that are that, that don't um, that are that are stay-at-home dads. 
I personally would have to work. I guess if my wife is making a bunch of money, <laughs> like if she's like really, really rich, and I don't really have to. What, what does stay at home dad do, by the way? What would he be doing? Same thing as a stay as a stay at home mom. They call it a stay at home mom now, not a housewife anymore. Um, you know, take care of the kids, take them to soccer, take them to school, cook. Clean, I'm not trying to do no kids. Laundry. Well, that's I, what a stay at home. I just want to stay home does. and look cute. No, okay. I just want to stay home and look cute. You're not gonna be she staying home looking home. cute. No. I, I rub her feet when she come off of work. No. Give so her a massage. What are you gonna be doing all day? I'm making sure I look cute for her when she get home. <laughs> make, sure she, make sure I look cute. <laughs> you are making sure I keep the house. You no, like take, I don't. Need, I'm not gonna. The maid gotta keep the house kids. clean. You better take care of them kids. The, the maid gotta keep the house clean. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna make sure I call the maid and the chef. So make sure dinner's ready. No, who's, who's paying for the maid and the chef? She's gonna be. If I'm staying at home, she she better be rich. I'm not staying home for. For, for average I income. I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm staying home for well, well, well above average income. I can't with you. All right, we got to go. <laughs> I can't with you. Oh, man, we got to go. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's episode. We covered a lot, so I hope you learned something. I hope you sparked the conversation to talk about with your group of friends and family. And uh, yeah. So if you want to get a hold of us, you know where to contact us. We are on social media at the Foreign Lady Podcast. Our website is theforeignladymedia.com. And also you can get us on, you know, Gmail. Email us at theforeignladypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, listen to us today. And uh, bye now. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Foreign Lady. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and review to help others find the podcast too. And be sure to subscribe so you're the first to know when the latest episode drops. Join the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at The Foreign Lady Podcast. See you next time.